You're listening to episode 24 of the Business Life and Coffee Show, brought to you by Jumpstart HR, LLC. One out of every six people in the U.S. spends each day in a K-12 public school. Yet America's school buildings have a problem that is hiding in plain sight. The 2016 State of Our Schools report from the Center for Green Schools at the U.S. Green Building Council finds a $46 billion annual shortfall in the funding needed to keep our nation's school buildings healthy, safe, and conducive to learning. It has been proven that places where our children attend school have a significant impact on their health and educational performance. Students thrive in well-lit, well-ventilated, healthy school environments, but there are millions of students across the country who are learning in dilapidated, obsolete, and unhealthy facilities that pose substantial obstacles to learning and overall well-being. On this episode of the Business Life and Coffee Show, the Director of Center for Green Schools and SVP of Knowledge at the U.S. Green Building Council, Rachel Gutter, is here to share with us the results of this report, which highlight a state-by-state national comparison and findings. She's also going to discuss information at the local and federal level concerning the current conditions of public school infrastructure. The state of our schools in our country is vital to the development and growth of our young generations. Without further ado, here's the episode. The 2016 State of Our Schools report from the Center for Green Schools was just released and the findings are not positive. There are millions of students who are learning in dilapidated, obsolete, and unhealthy schools that pose substantial obstacles to learning and overall well-being. Joining us with more on the results is Rachel Gutter, Director for the Center for Green Schools. Welcome, Rachel. Hey, Joey. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm grateful that you're here. Uh, Can you tell us about the origins of this report and how it came to be? We collaborated on this report with the 21st Century School Fund and the National Council on School Facilities, and the findings of the report are pretty grim. We find that the way that we fund school facilities across the United States needs to be completely overhauled and project a $46 billion gap every year. That's the money that we don't have and need to make sure that our schools remain healthy and safe and conducive to learning for our kids. But I would say that the most disturbing aspect of the findings of the report points to how inequitably we distribute the money that we do have for maintaining and building school facilities. What that means is that there are millions of students across the country who are studying in schools that are crumbling and unsafe, particularly students from low wealth communities. And that's simply not acceptable. No, it's definitely not acceptable. And as a resident of the Baltimore area uh, in Maryland, you can see the disparity. Uh, But I believe that there are some some changes coming, right? There are. Um, I'm a Maryland girl myself. And so (laughs) there's a a real silver lining story uh, in the state of Maryland. While the state faces a $1 billion funding gap to maintain their facilities in good repair, um, the state is also one of about a dozen that has a requirement for all new buildings uh, to be built to be LEED certified, which means that they're healthy, they're safe, and they're efficient. So what we're seeing is 21st century schools popping up all over the state of Maryland, including in Baltimore. What we're also seeing is many schools that continue to be in a state of disrepair and a budget that just won't stretch far enough to take care of those schools and make sure that they are not getting in the way of learning. Okay. Now, for some of our listeners, they are really removed, maybe haven't stepped foot in even a high school in the past 
10 or 15 years or so. So the problem seems a little bit uh, distant. But could you really connect with our audience and and share how the school environment negatively affects the children that are attending, the children and the faculty members that are attending every day? Yeah, I mean, one of the most important things that I hope comes out of this report is that people do get into their schools and understand what's actually going on, because what you'll see is probably going to blow your mind. You'll see mold on the walls. You'll see uh, or, or experience air that's unfit to breathe. And what we know is that poor indoor air quality is associated with everything from higher rates of absenteeism to increased asthma attacks to decreased productivity. We know that when we send our kids to crumbling schools, schools that are in disrepair, that feel like jails, we not only send a message to our kids that they don't matter and we don't believe in their brighter futures, we also see schools, those schools have lower attendance rates and higher rates of suspensions. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in a, in a facility that's got mold and, and poor bathroom facilities either. No. No, I mean, I think the thing that we have missed for decades is that this is actually an issue of equity. This stands in the way of our dream to provide every one of our students with a quality education that prepares them to succeed. Hmm. And piggybacking off of that point, because these, these students will become college students or maybe they'll go into the workforce. And that can have an imp- their schooling has an impact on the way they see the world. Yes. Um, what does a poor school building, um, what impact does that have on the towns and communities uh, where those schools actually exist? I mean, it has a tremendous impact on everything from property values um, to the perception on the part of the students. We see oftentimes that students that go to schools that really indicate a community's investment stick around in those communities. They don't look further afield when it comes to uh, pursuing a job or raising a family. So this is really about us keeping our communities intact and ensuring that we can prepare our, our students for those 21st century careers. Um, and for their next big steps. It's something that even if you don't have kids in school, we've got to be paying attention to. That is, that's so true. And you mentioned the, the property values. Uh, I recently bought a home and one of the key drivers, thank you, thank you. Uh, one of the key drivers uh, was the schools in the neighborhood. Um, you know, not so much that I have children now because I don't, but in looking to the future, you know, uh, the quality of the school played a uh, important impact on my buying decision and I'm sure that that counts for parents and non-parents alike. Absolutely, but right now when parents look into those schools, what they find on a site like greatschools.com or connected to the real estate sites that they're perusing is only going to be information that addresses the who and the what of education, the teachers, the curriculum, the student-to-teacher ratios, the standardized tests. But the fact is that for decades we've been ignoring the importance of the where, and what we know is that where our children learn really matters. So Rachel, uh, for parents of our school-age children and others interested in making a difference, what should we be doing? First of all, you need to get informed and you need to get involved. Get into your schools, understand what's going on, read the report, read our state-specific profiles, read, um, it, find out how your spending uh, compares to our recommendations for your particular community, and then start a conversation. Make this a public dialogue. Talk to your school board members, talk to your superintendents, talk to your uh, elected officials. Make sure that they understand that we know that the state of our schools currently is unacceptable and that our children deserve better. Yeah. And um, 
do you have an example of a school transformation story and the impact it's had on the students, faculty, and the community? Wow, I have so many of those stories, some of which are right in my own backyard. I'm a DC resident now, and it just so happens that the high school where my future hypothetical children would attend is the highest scoring LEED Platinum uh, new construction project in the, in the uh, country and even in the world. Um, and in that school, in that high school, the test scores went up the first year, attendance improved, and they also uh, report that teacher retention is up as well. So the school building can have a transformative impact on the health of students, on the performance of students, and even on the, the, the um, overall composition of the school as more teachers are incentivized to stay because it's a school that you want to go to every day. Yeah, you know, we're running out of time, but you bring up a great point that teachers aren't going to want to stay in buildings that are dilapidated and, and unhealthy, and they're the ones that have more of a choice. And so if you keep cycling out teachers, it's hard to develop a rapport with the students. Yes. It's hard to, you know, keep and attract the best and brightest teachers because they're going to want to work in the best and brightest areas. That's exactly um, right. And teachers so, know, I can't tell you how many teachers I've met who say, at my old school, I used to suffer from the 2.30 headache. Or at the old school, I used to have asthma attacks five days a week. And then I would get home, and I would be just fine. So talk to your teachers, because the teachers know. They spend more time in those classrooms than anybody else. Yeah, yeah. my mother is a teacher, and uh, that, that really hits home. Yeah. Well, very speaking uh, with you today on the Business Life and Coffee Show, or as you would like to say, the Coffee Life and Business Show. Um, do you have any parting thoughts and any uh, websites that you can direct our audience to go check out? Absolutely. Please visit stateofourschools.org for that full report, as well as tools that you can use for advocating in your own community, and help us to send a message across the entire world that where our children learn matters and we can do better. Well, Rachel, it's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you for joining, and have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. This has been another episode of Business, Life, and Coffee, the only podcast that simulates the experience of having coffee with a mentor, industry expert, or fellow colleague. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read your comment on an upcoming show. You can find show notes, episodes, and resources for your career or business at businesslifeandcoffee.com. If you have a topic that you want to learn more about but don't have time to grab coffee with an expert, email us at info at businesslifeandcoffee.com and tune in for that topic on a future episode. Also, you can reach me at Twitter at said. This is Joey Price signing out, and I'll see you next week. If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at, only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems? Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at jumpstarthr. Jumpstart HR. Let's build a better business together.